This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. So big announcement for you guys that have been following Undaunted Life for a long time. I am constantly asked, Kyle, I want to get a t-shirt. Where can I get a t-shirt? Hey, you've got an Undaunted t-shirt. Why don't I have an Undaunted t-shirt? Well, here's the thing. Guys, we now have a shop on our website. So if you go to undaunted.life backslash shop, not only do we have t-shirts, really awesome, awesome t-shirts, kind of a black on black thing, but we also have rash guards. We know a lot of you guys have started doing jujitsu or are continuing to do jujitsu because of podcasts like this one and other ones. But guys, this is a pre-order, okay? We are stopping the pre-order on Friday, June the 11th, okay? Because we're not just going to keep a bunch of stuff in stock. We're not going to just basically load up my garage with stuff. And if you pre-order it on the website, you got to make sure you give us the right size. We have the little size chart on there, but guys, it is good looking stuff. Make sure you go to undaunted.life backslash shop. I We'll make sure that the link is in the description so you can go and check that out. But let's go ahead and get into the rest of the stuff we need to talk about. All right, guys, it is June, which basically means happy Pride Month, right? Happy Pride Month, everybody. That's essentially what you have to say, or you're a bigot, right? You got to change your profile picture to be a rainbow and all that kind of stuff. Because here's the guys, you know, let's just be serious here. May, we ended May with a single day where we actually memorialize the deaths of well over a million U.S. soldiers that have died, you know, defending freedom and extinguishing evil and pushing back tyranny, you know, little things, little things like that. So we celebrated Memorial Day for one day. But now we get an entire month to celebrate the real heroes. You know, the, the females that choose to have sex with females, the L's, males that choose to have sex with males, the G's, males and females that choose to have sex with both males and females, the B's, males that think they're females and vice versa, the T's, and then males and females that have no idea what to think, the Q's, and then literally every other depraved, amoral, nonsensical decision regarding sex and gender, the pluses. So I, I think I covered them all, right? So that's LGBTQ plus right now. Now, before we get into today's episode, because I, I promise this is all going to end up making sense at some point, I want to have a little aside here. Why should people that fall into the LGBTQ plus crowd be proud? And, and I don't mean that from any type of moralistic sense, even though I did just bring that up a second ago. I mean that strictly in terms of the word proud. So, so proud, one of the definitions that I found is feeling pleasurable satisfaction over an act, possession, quality, or relationship by which one measures one's stature or self-worth. Because you see, even if you answer this one question alone, it almost destroys the entire LGBTQ mindset and worldview. Because guys, we've been reliably informed by, you know, such scientists as Lady Gaga that the L's, the G's, and the B's were just born this way right? They, they didn't choose to be a lesbian. They didn't choose to be gay. They didn't choose to be attracted to both sexes. They didn't choose it. They were born this way. Now, there, there's actually no scientific basis for this. And there have been people that for decades now have been trying to discover the gay gene, some sort of a genetic component to being homosexual. And they can't find that in homo sapiens, oddly enough. But again, it's kind of one of those things, science of the gaps, the God of the gaps argument that eventually science will figure that out. But it's just an interesting thing because whenever you go to the very next letter, the T's. You have to ask, well, what about the T's? Because we've been reliably informed 
by all these woke people in modern society that a human being can actually and literally change their sex if they choose to. All they have to do is choose to do that. And even those who say, no, I've, I felt like I've been the opposite sex my entire life. I felt like I've been trapped in my body my entire life. They don't argue that it's a scientific reality that they are the opposite sex. They don't, they don't argue that because if they did, then there would be no reason to present themselves as the opposite sex via dressing or styling like the opposite sex, or, you know, even getting surgery to look more like the opposite sex. They wouldn't need to do those things. So guys, if you're keeping score so far, I know it's hard to, hard to follow, right? We have the L's, the G's, and the B's that are born that way, but then you've got the T's that can make that decision after they're born. Okay. So just so you're keeping up and the Q's apparently can't figure out what they want. So the jury is still out on whether or not they were born a certain way or they chose to be a certain way. And then you've got the pluses and essentially the pluses will let you know what to think whenever they figure it out, because that plus just goes ad infinitum. It just keeps on going and going and going and there is no stopping. Okay. The point to all that, and you know, this is a great intro to what we're going to be talking about today is as a worldview, the LGBTQ plus worldview is an empty framework of contradictory stances on reality. And when you talk to people that are actually in these communities, and again, I don't like referring to them as communities because these are individual people. There are people that don't think that they should all be grouped up together. Things that lesbians do and believe aren't exactly what gay people do or believe or transgender people or people that are on the queer spectrum or questioning spectrum. They don't really know what to do. This is not a framework that helps us understand truth. That's partially the point. Because when you live in this post-truth culture, we're not as worried about truth as we are about making sure that everybody feels like their truth is being heard. So we're going to kick off Pride Month, you know, the greatest month of the year, by focusing on the T of LGBTQ+. And that's a story about a high school girls track athlete in the state of Connecticut. So you may have heard about this story, but I do want to go into it into a lot of detail, really. So I'm going to read the entirety of a blog. It, it's short, but it was written by a high school senior at Canton High School in Canton, Connecticut. And her name is Chelsea Mitchell. Okay, so this blog, and this is important, this blog was originally posted as an op-ed right? So not a news piece, but as an opinion piece on May 22nd of 2021. Okay. And it was posted in the USA today and it was posted on their website. And so that is the U S newspaper with the widest distribution. So for my listeners that aren't in the United States, that is the biggest newspaper technically in the United States it has the widest distribution. So let me go ahead and read this blog to you. And there's a few things that you should be able to pull out before I even get into the details, even if you haven't heard the story. So here we go. This is from again, Chelsea Mitchell. It's February, 2020. I'm crouched at the starting line of the high school girls 55 meter indoor race. This should be one of the best days of my life. I'm running in the state championship and I'm ranked the fastest high school female in the 55 meter dash in the state. I should be feeling confident. I should know that I have a strong shot at winning. Instead, all I can think about is how all my training, everything I've done to maximize my performance might not be enough simply because there's a runner on the line with an enormous physical advantage, a male body. I won that race and I'm grateful, but time after time, I've lost. I've lost four women's state championship titles, two all New England awards, and numerous other spots on the podium to male runners. I was bumped to third place in the 55 meter dash in 2019 behind two male runners. With every loss, it gets harder and harder to try again. That's a devastating experience. It tells me that I'm not good enough, that my body isn't good enough. And that no matter how hard I work, I'm unlikely to succeed because I'm a woman. 
That experience is why three of my fellow female athletes and I filed a lawsuit last year with Alliance Defending Freedom against the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference, CIAC, because girls and women shouldn't be stripped of their right to fair competition. The CIAC allows biological males to compete in girls and women's sports. As a result, two males began racing in girls track in 2017. In the 2017, 2018, and 2019 seasons alone, these males took 15 women's state track championship titles, titles held in 2016 by nine different girls, and more than 85 opportunities to participate in higher level competitions that belonged to female track athletes. That's because males have massive physical advantages. Their bodies are simply bigger and stronger on average than female bodies. It's obvious to every single girl on the track. But Connecticut officials are determined to ignore the obvious. And unfortunately, a federal district court recently dismissed our case. The court's decision to do so tells women and girls that their feelings and opportunities don't matter and that they can't expect anyone to stand up for their dignity and their rights. That's wrong, and it chips away at women's confidence and our belief in our own abilities. It's happened to me over and over. Every time I walk up to the starting line, I try to tell myself that I can overcome the unfair odds. I can win, even though the race is stacked against me. But besides the psychological toll of experiencing unfair losses over and over, the CIAC's policy has more tangible harms for women. It robs girls of the chance to race in front of the college scouts who show up for elite meets and to compete for scholarships and the opportunities that come with college recruitment. I'll never know how my own college recruitment was impacted by losing those four state championship titles to a male. When colleges looked at my record, they didn't see the fastest girl in Connecticut. They saw a second or third place runner. And it's not just happening to me. My friend and fellow plaintiff Selena Sold was bumped from qualifying for the state championship 55 meter final and an opportunity to qualify for the New England championship by a male runner in 2019. Meanwhile, Elena Smith, an incredibly talented female athlete, was the second place female runner in the 200 meters at the New England Regional Championships, but was dropped to third because or behind a male competitor. It's discouraging that the federal district court had decided that these experiences, these lost opportunities, simply don't matter. But I'm not beaten yet, and neither are my fellow female athletes. Through our ADF attorneys, my fellow athletes and I are appealing the federal district's court ruling. We're taking our case to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit, where we are going to ask once again for the court to recognize our right to fair competition, a right that Title IX has promised to our girls and women for 50 years. We're fighting not just for ourselves, but for all female athletes. So as we prepare for this next step in the case, I'm, setting, I'm settling into starting the starting blocks again, but for a different kind of race. And this time, I'm confident that we can win. Okay, so when I first saw this, right, and whenever I first looked over it, here were some of my immediate reactions to what I read here. The first thing is that Chelsea Mitchell points, her, the points that she makes in this blog are perfectly obvious and irrefutable. Yes, men have a distinct biological and thus sports advantage, especially in something like track and field, right? Because on average, overwhelmingly men are faster than women, right? You've seen it before where the woman that wins the 100, 200, and 300, and 400 meters in the Olympics, they would be like 150th ranked in the nation in high school against, against boys, right? Like these are perfectly obvious things. But I, you know, we live in a world where you can't just say perfectly obvious things anymore without being called a bigot. Another thing that I thought about is that Chelsea Mitchell is a hero. 
Now, I, I do want to go ahead and immediately provide a caveat to that because I think the word hero is thrown around a lot. It's used way too often, right? So am I saying Chelsea Mitchell is running into a burning building to save a baby? No, I'm not saying that. I mean, am I saying Chelsea Mitchell is going and, you know, fighting ISIS overseas or anything? Like, I'm not saying that she's that type of a hero, but she is a kind of a hero. She is a type of a hero because regardless of what she does for the rest of her life, this could define her forever. Because this is a case that could go all the way to the Supreme Court and her name will be attached to it, right? And, and the rest of the plaintiffs, they will be attached to that. And you're going to have people that are going not to not allow them to have opportunities in this world because they were attached to a case like this, right? And somehow a biological woman will be an anti-feminist because she didn't support transgender women. I mean, it's silly. And, and another immediate reaction that I had is that Chelsea Mitchell is a fighter and we, mean, we need more people like her. I run into so many guys that, you know, from the outside, they look like they're a fighter, but in this type of a case, they would probably would have just told Chelsea, ah, you know, tough break, but you know, maybe you'll get them next time. Or, you know, you should train a little harder so that you can beat the guy in that race again, or you've beat him before. Why not just beat him again? Right. But she's a fighter. She knows that this is unfair and she's okay with saying it. And I think we need more people like that. Now, the article alone, right? And the, the court case, that should have been the story. That should have been the only thing that we were focused on, right? But of course, everything is so incredibly stupid, and so is the USA Today. So as per usual, when a reasonable person says something that's true publicly, there's an outcry, quote unquote, which means a few dozen dorks on Twitter were ready to go you know, viral with their vitriol. But fearing that apparently unbearable vitriol, the USA Today did one of the most egregious things that I've heard of the media doing in a very long time. And that's saying something considering some of the things that we've seen. And because here's the thing is the media is responsible for a lot of cover-ups, right? And the thing is, is you don't know about most of those covers up cover ups because they were covered up, right? You, you don't really understand that. It's not like, you know, what we see now where people are basically saying, oh, COVID probably came from a level four lab in Wuhan. And for the last year plus, if you said something like that, you were silenced on social media. And if you said something like that in the media, you were basically called QAnon, conspiracy theorists, that type of thing, because the media essentially wanted to cover it up. And people in the government essentially wanted to cover that up. They were essentially doing the bidding of the communist government in China, right? Yeah, but I'm going to kind of kind of come back to what we're talking about today. But on May 25th, this is what the USA Today did. So three days after they posted the original opinion piece, they edited the article without Chelsea Mitchell's consent. And they changed every instance of the word male to transgender through the entire article. So that was 10 times by my count. Okay. And then they put a little editor's note at the top of the article and it reads this, quote, this column has been updated to reflect USA Today's standards and style guidelines. We regret that hurtful language was used, unquote. Hurtful language was used. Like the word male to describe someone that is a male. That was the hurtful language that apparently sent ripples through the planet, right? And, and guys, th this all likely wouldn't have made any waves except that the girl and ADF noticed and ADF actually posted the unedited original on their site. And I'll put the link in the show notes for that. But they literally edited reality to conform to wokeism. Because I don't remember hearing the outrage about this article. I don't remember seeing it on Twitter. I don't remember any of my you know woke friends on Facebook posting. I don't remember any of that. This was like preemptive editing. It was that this woman 
had the gall to stand up for herself and her other female athletes and to use something that's biologically real. And that's calling a biological male a male. And that was beyond the pale. We, we couldn't possibly have that be the thing. And for the USA Today to basically correct, correct wrong speak, I mean, that's, that's something special in and of itself. Because we live in an era now where if you think the wrong thing, you're going to be shut down for that. But they already posted this. And so the only logical explanation that this would have, you know, been posted in the first place by USA Today is that somehow someone got tricked, right? Or maybe someone that one of the interns that actually posted it online went against what the management said to do and posted it with the words male in there, you know, those crazy words, the words male. But no, they thought that this was an acceptable thing. But 72 hours of you know, literally probably a few dozen people on Twitter being angry about it was too much for them. Because when you switch out the word male for transgender, it doesn't make any sense because they didn't even say transgender male, right? Or transgender female, which would be a biological male that thinks he's a girl or is pretending to be a girl. Because it's one of those things like the thing about these boys that's so interesting is these boys were nothings on the male track team. And then all of a sudden they go through this internal issue, which again, I don't presume to know anything about these kids, but is it not interesting that all of a sudden they're having these issues and then all they do is grow their hair out and paint their nails and wear lipstick. And then they're winning all these races and it's sending them further down the pathway of doing something that's potentially damaging to them for the rest of their lives. Right? I mean, if, if these boys go through with, you know, the hormone treatments and the surgeries and all that to quote unquote, become a girl, which is not real, that's a huge issue for them. And, and I don't think that we should be, you know, putting these people up on pedestals, literal pedestals and saying, yeah, you won the gold medal, girl, you did it. You go girl. Like we shouldn't be doing that. Now from this story, I, I kind of have some random thoughts that I wanted to go through. And the first is that feminism and transgenderism can never mix ever because what this girl's making in this blog are some several feminist points. And so I'll go back to a couple of the quotes here with every loss, it gets harder and harder to try again. That's a devastating experience. It tells me that I'm not good enough, that my body isn't good enough, and that no matter how hard I work, I'm unlikely to succeed because I'm a woman. And then a little bit later in the article, she says this, the court's decision to do so tells women and girls that their feelings and opportunities don't matter and that they can't expect anyone to stand up for their dignity and their rights. That's wrong. And it chips away at women's confidence and our belief in our own abilities, right? Because here's the thing. If you ask a feminist, what's a woman? The answer is simple. They're going to give you a very simple answer, right? They're going to say XX chromosomes. They're going to say biologically a woman presents as a woman, sexually a woman, all those things, right? Can potentially, you know, has all the plumbing to potentially bear a child, all, all those things, right? The answer is simple, like very, very simple. But as a supporter of transgenderism, as a worldview, and you ask them, what is a woman? Everything falls apart. Everything falls completely apart because they can't answer the question. Because there is a biological reality to what is a woman or a female, right? It's not on a spectrum. It's not, well, there's a difference between sex and gender. And let's talk about this obscure level of research over here. And this little thing that this guy wrote back in the seventies that we, we tend to like, and you know, hinge our old worldview on. No, you can't do that. Feminism and transgenderism can't live even in the same, the breakdown as LGBTQ plus. It doesn't belong together. Those things are oil and water. Another thing I thought about is that if you think having a male body, because I've had people argue this, I've heard them argue this, that if you think that having a male body your entire life until your quote unquote transition process provides no physical advantage, you're literally a moron. You're a dumb dumb. You're not a smart person. 
Because men, biological men, have testosterone. They have larger hearts. They have bigger muscles. They have larger, denser bones. They have higher red blood cell count, which is better for aerobic advantages. And women have higher estrogen, which leads to having more fat. They're more easily injured, right? Especially at some of the weaker joints, right? So pretend like there's no advantages is insane. Because a lot of these proponents will be like, no, 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 like these people are on puberty blockers or they're on, you know, testosterone therapy or they're on estrogen therapy or they're on these things. So that is even the playing field. But here's the deal. Let's say right now I decided not that I'm going to become a woman because that's ridiculous. So I'd have to have a part of my brain removed before I even thought about that. But let's say I wanted to present myself as a woman, that I wanted to go through some of these treatments to where I could have much, much lower levels of testosterone, higher levels of estrogen, blah, blah, blah. And then I wanted to compete in women's jujitsu tournaments. I still have 30 plus years of being a man. My bones are still my bones. My muscles are still my muscles, even if they don't present themselves in the same way. It's kind of the argument when you hear guys talk about, ah, oh, it's not really a big deal, you know, if people uh, test positive in things like MMA or something like that. Because even if you get off the juice right before the fight, it's not like all of the positives you got from going on a steroid cycle just disappear. You still have a lot of those residual positives. Like for any of you guys that have maybe been injured or something like that. So, so let's say you had, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example, but I, I had a buddy of mine who basically just stopped going to the gym for a long time. Very, very good athlete, but stopped going to the gym for a long time. Like didn't bench press for over a year. Like he never even laid down on a bench. And then I took him to my house. We walked out in the garage and put 225 on the bench and he put it up for about 12 reps before he got bored. And this is not a big guy. This guy weighs about 185 pounds, 190 pounds. But the thing is, is his strength was still there. Your strength isn't just going to disappear. And this isn't a guy that was on steroids. It's not the point I'm making. I'm basically saying there's a massive advantage for men, obviously. And another thought, I guess the last thought I'll get to here on this before we move on, is if the transgender revolution doesn't end with the full eradication of divisions of male and female sports, it is full of crap. This entire movement is completely nonsensical. Okay? Because here's the thing, if you're going to argue that there are no biological realities whatsoever to contend with, then we need to do away with men's sports and women's sports and just have sports. No Title IX, no protection for women, none, done, finished, finito, none of that. But why aren't they pushing for that? Why aren't they saying, let's not have an NBA and a WNBA, let's just have just uh, let's even create a new organization, not even call it the NBA, just call it, you know, something else. Why don't we just do that? And anyone who wants to try out can try out. So all of these WNBA players, which I know you guys are huge fans of, right? Pick your favorite WNBA player. Does she make a roster? Well, and at that point, since we're suspending reality, we wouldn't even call her a she. We would call her a meh or just something ridiculous because we would not be talking about differences between female and male. Why aren't people talking about that? Why aren't the people that are on the woke revolution, on the transgender revolution, talking about the full eradication of any separation in the sports? Why not? There is no difference, right? What I actually want, I was talking to one of my buddies in my foxhole the other day about this, and this is what it's actually going to have to happen. I want there to be a high school men's basketball player, because basketball will probably be the easiest way to see this, you know, right up because of how close those, those sports are and how many people pay attention to them. So a men's high school athlete, Right, that is highly touted to, to go to a really big basketball school, Kansas or Duke or UNC or something like that. And I want that person to say, you know what? I could probably do well playing in the NCAA men's divisions, but you know what? I'm actually a woman. 
I see a track for myself. You know, maybe I, I could have a decent college career, but I don't see a really a track for myself in the NBA, but I do want to be a professional athlete someday. So my pathway is the WNBA. And so I'm actually going to go to, to Baylor or to OU or to UConn, and I'm going to play women's basketball. Because here's the thing. If you're the coach and you don't accept the women's player on your team, if you don't even recruit that player, you're a bigot. So that player, that boy is going to get hit up by all of the women's teams. And I just want to watch that person go off for 85 points and 60 rebounds and 120 blocks a game. Just make a mockery of that as a sport. I think that that, and the thing is, is I don't want that because it would be cruel to the women. That's the, the least reason that I would want for that. I want that because I want people to see where their ideology goes. That if we extrapolate your ideology all the way out to its logical ends, to the endpoints, that's where you're going to see something like that. And that's in a non-contact sport. Basketball is not really a contact sport. But what about these people that are advocating it for wrestling, for boxing, for MMA? And I'm, any of you that listen to the Joe Rogan experience, obviously he's talked about Valen Fox a lot. This was a person that was a, presented themselves as a man for 30 years, even fathered children, and then ended up going and transitioning to become a woman. And I don't even know was on that many treatments and actually was able to fight women in some of these smaller uh, MMA organizations. Actually broke a woman's orbital bone, right? Or I think it was maybe even her skull, like caved her skull in, right? Because it was a man hitting a woman at that point. And we were all supposed to be like, oh, this is great. This is great for women's sports, Right. But I do want to transition out now. I've, I've gone on a bunch of different tangents. Hopefully you guys have followed me on a lot of that. I want to talk about why this story should matter to you, to you specifically, why this story should matter. The first reason is that we have to protect our girls and women. We have to. So for me personally, obviously I just have one kiddo. I have a son, uh, but you know, my wife and I do want to have more kids. It's, it's a potential that we might have a girl someday. And I want that girl to play sports. That's one thing that my wife and talked and I have talked about is our kids are going to have to play sports. They can choose to play sports. We're not going to be the crazy sports parents, but they have to play sports because the positives that come from doing an individual or a team sport are so great. No matter what you end up doing in your life, whether you're in business or going to some sort of academia, it's going to have positives for you. But if there is no place for our girls to play, then what are we doing this for? Just think about the women, you know, 80 years ago, 90 years ago, that just wanted the chance to play in their own league, a league of their own, if you will. They just wanted that opportunity and they got it. And here we are 50 years after the beginning of Title IX and we're pretending like there's no biological difference between boys and girls. And, and that girl, I think that girl that actually wrote that article, Chelsea, I think she is actually a collegiate track athlete right now. I couldn't find the school or anything like that. To be honest, I didn't, I didn't look that much at it, but I think she is actually enrolled at a university and is a collegiate athlete now. But what if she was a fringe athlete that taking one or two more state titles would have put them over the top and got them recruited and got their schooling paid for, right? Almost ensuring a more positive future for themselves. What if that was taken away by a boy? A boy that couldn't hack it on the men's team decided to become a girl, to compete against girls, to win, and to get scholarships. Take away opportunities. A lot of you people don't really understand kind of that whole, you know, sports recruiting aspect. It takes one scout sometimes. Like, we just always assume that, you know, every kid is, you know, Tim Tebow coming out of college where they were offered by like 50 schools or something like that. That's not really the case for most of these athletes. Some of these athletes might get a single offer. And so the only decision they have to make in terms of where they, you know, in terms of college is, do I go to college or do I not go to college? Do I go and play this sport at this school or do I not do that? Right. 
So we have to protect those opportunities for our girls and for our women. Another reason why this story should matter to you is because we've seen fringe ideologies and we've seen how they can become mainstream almost overnight. Again, I talk about this all the time. We talk about the Overton window. 10 years ago, we're not even having this discussion. That would have been such a nonsensical thing. I think that's the third time I've used that word in this podcast, but literally it would be so nonsensical at that point to think that, oh yeah, we should totally let a boy with long hair race against girls. That totally makes sense. Now think about where we are. If you say that out loud, just imagine if you were to post that on Facebook right now, all the comments that you would get, right? You would get some people be like, yeah, get them, you know, you know, stand up for truth. But then it would be a bunch of people that are just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you would say something like that. I wonder what your wife would say. Oh my gosh, if your girls heard you talking like this, oh, what a bigot, what a terrible person you are. Again, not even a decade ago, it was fringe. It was completely on the outside. It's mainstream now. And it's not mainstream in the sense that we have this overwhelming population of transgender people or people that have gender dysphoria who actually think they're the opposite sex. You know, these people that have a mental disorder that needs to be treated, right? This just all of a sudden is something that you have to accept whole cloth. That's why it should matter to you. Because it was fringe not that long ago. I talk about this all the time. And I've talked about this and you've heard people like Matt Walsh talk about this and some other commentators. This is all kind of paving the way for relationships between adults and minors, right? for legal pedophilia. Because again, if you extrapolate this out even one or two steps further, if a boy or girl can decide whether or not they are a boy or a girl before the age of 18, right? So they're a child, right? Even as young as maybe four or five, they can decide that they're the opposite sex and go through hormone treatments and get surgeries and all that. Why can't they then decide who they're going to have sex with? Now, again, that's not my ideology to any of you that are going to clip this later and pretend like I said that. I don't believe that at all. That's dangerous and evil, but that's where this is going. And for those of you that think I'm insane, I want you to clip this on the date that you're watching it on, right? I want you to remember that I said this because I don't think it's going to be that long until we start hearing that as an argument because we're already seeing polyamory. We're already seeing people that are talking about, you know, Hey, I've got three dads and one mom. We've already seen stuff like that at certain pockets of the United States, but some form of pedophilia, legal pedophilia, it's going to come. It has to. Because of this ideology, again, if you're 12 years old, you're a 12 year old boy and you think you're a girl, why can't you also be a 12 year old boy and think that you can have sex with a 30 year old man or a 30 year old woman? Why would that matter? Right? Because you can choose it again to reiterate. I don't believe that at all. But remember when that was a fringe ideology? I want you to remember I said that years down the road when that becomes true. I hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong. More than maybe anything I've ever said, I hope I'm wrong, but I just don't think I am. Another reason why this story should matter to you is that we've got to be prepared to fight against nonsense ideologies that damage people and be willing to use the legal system. Okay, so that's kind of that next step. Obviously, this girl and the other plaintiffs, they probably came from families that were of means to even start that legal process. And then this got picked up by the ADF and they're kind of pushing this process even further. But you have to be willing to use the legal system. Now, this may not end up being good, right? The, the second circuit court could shut this down. It could go all the way to the Supreme Court and it could get shut down there. And then it's just an issue. It's a loss for these girls. It's a loss for girls all over the country. But what if it's the exact opposite? What if it's upheld in the second circuit? What if it does go all the way to the Supreme Court and it's or not upheld with the second circuit? What if it is reversed on the second circuit? If it goes all the way to the Supreme Court, let's say it's reversed in these, you know, it's in, you know, it's 
two thumbs up for the plaintiff, essentially. That's one of those things that that has a ripple effect for the entire country. And it was because there was a group of people that started with these young teenagers and probably their parents, and they were willing to challenge this using the legal system. We've got to be prepared to do the same thing. Another reason why this should be important to you is that we need to vote for and support politicians, you know, slash lawmakers that are reasonable and are willing to throw down. Right. So a good example of that is Florida Republican governor, Ron DeSantis. So Ron DeSantis, I'm becoming a big fan of his, right. As much as I probably can be of a political candidate in that type of an environment, I'm kind of hoping that Trump, you know, just quietly gets out of the way to maybe pave the way for someone like Ron DeSantis. Cause I think he has some of the best qualities of a Trump, but he doesn't say as many stupid things out loud, but this is actually an article from Ryan Severdra from the daily wire. So I'm going to read just the first few paragraphs of this, because this just happened today as of the recording of this, it'll be released a few days later, but on June the 1st. Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis kicked off the start of Pride Month by signing a bill into law, the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, that protects female athletes from having to compete against biological males. We believe in the state of Florida of protecting the fairness and the integrity of women's athletics, DeSantis said. And I can tell you this in Florida, you know, girls are going to play girl sports and boys are going to play boy sports. And that's what we're doing. We're going to make sure that that's the reality. So the bill that we're doing today will ensure fairness in women's athletes for years to come in the state of Florida. It says that the athletic teams or sports that are designated for females are open to females, and we're going to be based off biology. The bill defines a student's biological sex based on the student's official birth certificate at the time of birth, DeSantis continued. And as part of the bill we're signing today, we're not only making sure women have opportunities for scholarships and competition at the highest level, we're also putting in statutes a way in statute ways to actually vindicate the rights of any women athletes who may be discriminated against. So moving forward, any student who's deprived of an athletic opportunity as a result of a violation of this law will have the right to civil remedies. Any school or public post-secondary institution that suffers direct or indirect harm as a result of a violation of this bill, including by a government entity, accredited organization, or athletic association, can also pursue civil remedies. Any student who is subject to retaliation as a result of reporting a violation of this bill can also pursue civil remedies. Okay? So this is Ron DeSantis that is saying, hey, we're drawing a line in the sand here. State of Florida, we're not going to stand for this. Okay? We're not going to, we're not going to mess with all this nonsense. We're going to put an end to it. And this is somewhat political theater, but he does it on the first day of pride month, right? So he is saying, bring me your arrows, right? Shoot them my way. I don't care. We are standing up for what's right. So, but again, Ron DeSantis was voted in. He didn't just become the governor of Florida. He had to be voted in. So this is a reasonable human being that is willing to stand up for reason. I think that's important. Another reason why this should be important to you guys is that, and this really relates to the last thing I just talked about, is that you are quickly going to have to decide where you will raise and educate your children, if you haven't already. A lot of people have already moved out of some of these more liberal states, mainly because of the stuff they were doing during the lockdowns or things like that. But a lot of these decisions that you're going to have to make may not even come down to just the state you're going to be living in. It may come down to the county and maybe even the city that you're living in. Because you're going to have cities that are, you know, separated by a couple of miles that are going to have completely different ways of viewing things like this. And you're going to have to decide, am I going to let my kids be around stuff like that? Am I going to let my kids potentially lose out on opportunities because of what's going on in the minds of a few intellectuals that are in this one little community, right? Also, this, this is just another call to action for you guys to don't be asleep at the wheel. If you have your kids in public school, because I know for some of you, you don't have the option of private school, but if you have your kids in public school, right, 
You got to make sure you know who their teachers are. You got to make sure you know what the principal thinks. You got to make sure you know who's on the school board. You got to make sure you know who the mayor is and who the local representatives are. All those things matter. Because all of a sudden, if your kid's 17 and competing in a particular sport and all of the, the winds of change have not moved in your direction, well, guess what? You can't get them out of office quick enough before your kid misses out on that opportunity. And so for all of us, we have to make those decisions. For me, I've got a one-year-old. I only got a few years to kind of really decide kind of where we're going to start his educational journey and what that's going to look like. In my community, we're not going to be dealing with what people are dealing with in, you know, Seattle or Portland or, Cal, you know, California, you know, San Francisco, New York City or something like that. But we're still going to have to deal with some of those things and I got to be ready for it. And the last thing in this uh, is what we'll end on is that this news story is obviously about more than sports. That's why this should be important to you. It's, it's about more than sports. It is about truth in general. Because this might seem like just a story about a single athlete in a state that no one's visited, right? Or no one's really been to. But that's not what this is. That's not what this is at all. This is about what are we standing up for as a society? Because this girl is a real victim of horrible ideologies, broken ideologies. Again, she said in her article, I don't know what opportunities I missed out on because I was competing against boys and I missed out on multiple state championships that I would have won. I missed out on multiple meets where I should have been competing, but I, I didn't because I didn't qualify. And so did the people that were around me. It's about truth because there is truth. There are people with XX chromosomes. I'm talking about the majority of people here, the overwhelming majority. They either have XX chromosomes or they have XY. They're either female or male. That's it. There's not a spectrum in between those two things. There are two realities. And if you have a human being that is struggling because they think they're the opposite sex, the correct response is not to say, you're probably right, let's give you pills. You're probably right, let's cut off your penis. You're probably right, let's get rid of your boobs. That should not be your response. You should have a very empathetic response to this person. You should want to help them out. You are not helping them by playing into their fantasy, by playing into whatever broken thing is going on inside their brain. That person needs treatment. They need help, right? And I've been called a transphobe for saying that people that have gender dysphoria need help, but that's exactly what they need. You don't play in to what they're saying, especially if it could potentially lead to irre irrevocable harm for that person. You don't do it. So guys, we got to be ready. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost at Undaunted Life. Our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So for today, I've got the blog that is actually the one that was posted on the ADF website. So this is the original blog from Chelsea Mitchell. And then I've got also that news story where it talked about Ron DeSantis signing in that new protection for girls in the state of Florida. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. We do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast show, just email me at info at undaunted.life. The email is info at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok and like us on Facebook. You can check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming. Just go to www.undaunted.life. We also would like to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The intro-outro track on this podcast is their song Cutting the Ties, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links to all this are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah.